0: Welcome back to the Thing with Feathers podcast. I'm Courtney Ellis, and I am so excited to introduce our guest to you today. Jason Myers is an Episcopal priest who helps lead an arts nonprofit that explores the relationship between ecology and theology. He is a birder. He is the author of the new poetry collection, Maker of Heaven And, and I love that it ends on the and. Welcome, Jason.
1: Thank you, Courtney. so good to be with you.
0: It's wonderful to have you today. Tell me first about your birding practices. How did you get into birding? What does your birding life look like?
1: Oh gosh. Well, I guess I, I <laughs> when you when you introduced me as a birder, I was like, Am I a birder? I don't know. Um, I, I love birds and I love spending time outdoors and um both in My neighborhood, which is very urban and uh, I live within eyesight of the skyline of downtown Houston. Um, And uh, we also spend a lot of time in state parks. But uh, I don't feel in any way like an expert birder. Um, I am very poor at identifying birds by sight or sound. But I do. I love encountering them and um, feel that there's something Marvelous and mysterious, uh, in their lives. And, uh, you know, I love that they're this part of God's creation. And um, so, um, you know, whether it's just hearing them when I'm out for a, a routine walk and, and enjoying their music or, um, kind of being in more of a wilderness space and, um, and and trying trying to identify or or seeing more unusual birds and 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 wondering what they're up to and, and yeah. You know.
0: I love so you you are one of the from what I understand one of the founders and and leaders of eco theology. And the tagline for eco theology is "celebrate wonder." So I love that you connect yeah. your birding practice to the practice of wonder. Tell me about yeah. eco theology and the work that it does.
1: So we're Eco Theocollectives is uh, the name of the overall organization, and it, uh, I'm not one of the founders. It was started by some friends at Princeton Theological Seminary in 2013 uh, who were. Um, interested in creating a platform for questions around the relationship between ecology and theology, and one of them was a writer, and one of them was more of a, a biologist, uh, ecologist, and and so they kind of brought that sort of scientific and artistic inquiry to to what they were interested in in opening up space for, and so it launched as a web platform and it was initially just called ecothea review and Ecotheo review continues um so we do uh um, we have uh, our website ecotheo.org where you can find um kind of online only content and then um, we publish a quarterly print magazine um and, uh, and then ecothea collective we host some events so uh, one of my My co-director of the organization, Travis Elms, is also an Episcopal priest and a poet. And and he created this reading series called Logos Poetry Collective around the same time that I was taking on a leadership role with Ecothea Review. And so we sort of joined forces to to create an arts nonprofit that, as you said, our, our mission is to celebrate wonder. Enliven conversations and inspire commitments to ecology, spirituality, and art. So we're, yeah, kind of always trying to bring things back to a sense of wonder and and a, and a sense of curiosity about uh, how God is present in the world um, in all of its beauty and and also in in places and and lives of of suffering and deprivation and uh, and particularly kind of like how that gets revealed to us in in a more than human world as well so
0: art ecology and spirituality i can get behind yeah. that that's yeah, a good trifecta that's yeah. fun
1: that's fun. fun yeah
0: that's really lovely. There are so many poets that come out of the Episcopal world and out of the Catholic world, and I'm Presbyterian, and we need more poets. I think we get too up in our heads, and we need to we need to find our poetic souls. I, I so appreciate that that part of your tradition. Yeah, you have
1: know Fred Beekner, so you
0: know that's this is good. true. This <laughs> is true. Soul yeah. of a poet for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jason, how can we connect with the work of Eco Theo?
1: Yeah. Um, so, uh, like I said, our website is, is just ecotheo, E-C-O-T-H-E-O.org. Um, and there you can find, um, how to find us, uh, with the events that we have coming up. But yeah, so, um, at the, on the website you can find kind of the events that we have coming up. So we do an annual thing called the wonder festival. Um, that's several days of, poetry readings and kind of contemplative practices and nature walks and workshops. Um, And so this year it'll be in Jackson Hole, Wyoming um, where, where we launched it two years ago and then we were in uh, Austin, Texas this past year. Um, And uh, so in June we'll be back in, in Jackson Hole and Joy Harjo will be there um, Roger Reeves um, and some other wonderful poets. So, and then, um, yeah. So the magazine, the print magazine, comes out quarterly. So people can purchase individual issues, um, as well as subscribe to get four issues a year. And then, as I said, there's some content that is both um, online only, as well as um, excerpts from from the print issues.
0: So, Wonder Festival. Yeah. Yeah. it be fun. That sounds like a blast. And what a beautiful spot to have it. You will see lots of magpies, magpies everywhere in Jackson Hole.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Travis, uh, who I mentioned earlier, he shared that um, uh, he he lives there now. Uh, he moved up there from East and East and and had uh, a moose visit him in his yard uh, the other day and magpies were just like hanging out on the moose. Um, yeah.
0: They call it the Wild West for a reason, I guess. Right,
1: right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's
0: in the yard? It's a moose. Of course. Yeah. Of course, it's yeah. a moose.
1: <laughs> moose and magpie. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds fantastic. I think I'm seeing the church more and more recapture the spirit of the connection between wonder and the divine, that it's not just mm-hmm. about right belief or even just about right practice. It's about this right. spark that we encounter. And mm-hmm. I see that in Eco Theo, and I'm so glad and grateful that it exists, and that mm-hmm. we can point people toward it, but I also see it in the way the church is opening itself up more to the work of poets, even just mm-hmm. recapturing the work of the psalms, and these don't tell us exactly what to do; they are a different mm-hmm. expression of of mm-hmm. who God is and of who we are. How did you begin writing poetry? Tell me about that journey
1: mm. I guess it, it Started intentionally in the ninth grade. I had a wonderful English teacher, my ninth grade English teacher, Joan Selby, who loved poetry and incorporated it into her lesson plans. Um, and, um, and that class was also, I guess, the sort of birth of my uh interest in ecology, because I remember we read Silent Spring by Rachel Carson in that uh in that class. And um so Mrs. Selby would have us read poems and write poems and um I was like, oh this is this is kind of fun to like play with language and express myself and um and so I got introduced to a lot of poets um of the past through her recommendations of who to read and and, and then kind of connected with peers and that. In that class and beyond, uh, and yeah, just kind of kept writing, and and I went to college uh, in Bennington, Vermont, and um, the college there has a a long uh, tradition of amazing poets. And uh, when I was there, Mary Oliver was on faculty.
0: No um, way, that's yeah, just not fair. Yeah. You got to go to yeah. school with Mary Oliver.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. Um, so um, that was, um, you know, kind of the, the continuation of something that I had started a few years before, and, and went on to do an MFA in creative writing and poetry, and, and here I am. Mm.
0: It was a good journey.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's been a long journey, but a good journey.
0: Tell me about your new book and if you would read read a few of the poems I would from it love for our to. listeners. I'd love
1: to. Yeah. So it's Maker of Heaven and um, So I'm an Episcopal priest and, and every week in our liturgy, our worship service, we recite the Nicene Creed, um, in which we say that we believe uh we believe in God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth. And uh, of all things seen and unseen. And uh, I love that language and I've always loved that the Greek word that we get poetry from is, is a word that means making, uh, poesis. And uh, so thinking of, of a poem as a made thing and also then thinking of God as a poet. Um, God is the poet of heaven and earth. And... Several years ago, I became aware of and and obsessed with the ancient Hebrew practice of Midrash, mm. uh, which is this way of um, reading in and and through and behind texts um uh, of, behind the works of of scripture um, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of imagine you know what what was happening before or after or during, you know, the, the narrative that is canonical. Um, So um, right now I'm, I'm reading a book by one of my favorite contemporary writers on midrash is um, uh, uh, Aviva Gottlieb Zornberg. And I'm reading a book of hers called the murmuring deep. And the part that I read most recently was about um, Abraham and Um, Abraham's childhood uh, which isn't in the book of Genesis um, but there's a lot of midrash about what Abraham's childhood was like that led him to um, the um, it's called the akeda the the moment of being willing to sacrifice his son Isaac Um, and so um, so midrash is this practice of, of kind of wondering you know, like what's going on with Miriam, you know, when she's traveling with with Moses uh, and Aaron and, um, you know, what was happening before or after, you know, Ruth and Boaz met. Um, And so uh, the title for my book, Maker of Heaven End. Uh, I have two title poems. So I have a poem that's called "Maker of Heaven," and then I have a poem called "Maker of End." Hmm. Um, and and sort of the uh, the idea that generated the "Maker of End" is is sort of this midrashic impulse of like, yes, God is the maker of heaven. God is the maker of earth, and that in that end, there's so much, you know. Uh, so so it's this um, sort of ecstatic uh, litany of of all things uh well you know not all things but many things that, <laughs> that god has made um and I have, a, I have a couple of bird um oriented poems in the collection so i will read those um for you this first one is called two of everything My house is two windows with sheetrock in between. Outside the windows, two cranes hold heaven between their wings. My heart is two varieties, religious experience. Two wrongs, two rights. Under my heart, two secrets will never see the backside of the other. Unlike Noah's sons, shame and embarrassment are two members of the same family, cousins who lick the salt in the other's wound. Now the two cranes depart, and with them the world. Two days until my father is drunk again. You can save. Creation, but if you can't hold your liquor, that too will be remembered. It takes two to linger, two to delve, two to say what isn't there. The cranes might be one. Two hands cast a single shadow on the wall that separates the windows. My body is two the one that makes an s next to my beloved and the one that wanders the aisles of walmart muttering what was it what was it the everything that responds made in china my head dwells in two worlds the imaginary and the one others tell me to believe i carry two bibles one bound one being. When you sing, Augustine is said to have said, you pray twice. My prayers weigh half the span of the cranes' lives. Their feathers fracture water into the arc of evening. Pleasure is the half-sister of longing. Two deaths like two songs on my jukba. The peach tree where the cranes dance goes by two names, what we call her and what she wants to be called. The cranes, quiet. Their quiet doubles the way a heart broken in two is also called love.
0: Hmm. Thank you for that poem. You're welcome. You're welcome. I love your exploration of the idea of, of midrash. I had not mm. heard of that before my my college years. I went to Wheaton College and, oh, yeah. um, you know, evangelical, fairly conservative school. And I had this wonderful creative writing professor who is a poet. His name is David Wright. He has beautiful poetry collections out there, oh, yeah. but he... he yeah asked us to do this exercise and so many of us in the class were like, this is heresy. This is not okay. Like we cannot add to the text. We cannot change the text. And he said, no, no, no. I want I want to open up your imagination so you can see the text with new eyes. What happened before? Right. What happened a- after? We're not going to print this in the Bible. It's a creative right, right. writing exercise and it unlocked so much for me. What was Miriam thinking? What was Abraham's childhood like? Because when mm-hmm. we were able to approach the Bible with wonder and not just this Mm -hmm. clinical Mm -hmm. behavioral document, um, treated as a behavioral clinical document, it it opens up so much. I'm so grateful to him and I'm so grateful to you for bringing Midrash into the podcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Well, and you know, uh, as someone who grew up not reading the Bible very much, um, kind of came to, uh, the, more devoted reading uh, in my young adulthood, um, I think I had a sense, as I imagine many people had that it's you know like a guidebook or a rule book or um you know that it's that it's the Ten Commandments and that's what the Bible is, that it's like, okay, this is what you need to do and what you need to not do um and you know, the Decalogue is a, you know, is an important part of Torah. but, um, you know, so much of the Bible is story and poetry, and, um, and I think, you know, um, if people liberated themselves to, to encounter the stories and the poetry in it, um, they would probably enjoy it a lot more, (laughs) and find a lot more richness and and depth and, and play and meaning and, and some of the, you know, instruction as well. Um, not to say that it's not instructive, um, but but that there's um, a lot more going on. And, and yeah, and I love that. Um, that Midrash is in some ways, I think the ultimate form of, of respect for the work that it's, being so invested in these canonical stories that you want to open them up and uh, and wander and wander around in them, you know. Um,
0: it's in the wrestling that I think the text mm-hmm. comes alive to us, right? Some mm-hmm. of the, the most frustrating mm-hmm. passages are the ones that I sit with the most often, and they they work in me, they work on me because I don't know what they yeah. mean. That story right. of Abraham sacrificing his son. We have, we have three children and they're all still fairly young. And we read these children's Bibles and we're like, at what point do we read this story to them? Because it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. immediately translate Abraham into one of their parents and them into Isaac. Uh, and what do we right. do with those stories in scripture? We, we wrestle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 All right. You've got some more poems for us, I hope. I hope I hope. I
1: do. I do, yes. Um I'll read um this is a, a kind of a longer poem. It's like a three, um, sequence um of uh, poems that are rooted in particular places and the the whole poem is called This View of Life. Um and then at the end of each section I'll say the name of the uh, Place so. Yeah, this view of life, where the cotton empties out into the Hudson on the other side of cranes, musk—not exactly autumn, not exactly not either. Twenty some swans flung their gates, which some call wings, on a dead piece of wood lingering in the water. A dark bird opened and closed its parentheses. What celebrities litter the glad drift of dreams we call day? There's grandeur, Charles Darwin wrote, in this view of life. I ask, oh now, for the space between the wild and the domestic to diminish. I ask for raisins in December. Two wars take almonds from my cupboard. Where will I find my wool? A wound in the ear is a wound entire. Black swans leave West Point to the dusk-done day. Hassanning. Absolutely free and wild, Loreau said, meaning the world without human technologies, meaning concert of warbler and wolf and the fox sings sly, sings slow, sings so long. When no voice lathes the Potomac, water slow-mo, though so I dissipated, my mind deeps and creeps Crawls clear. Ten minutes, and I
0: can't see Snyder's Landing. A paddle's the river's company
1: and commentator. Why is it so hard to be not someplace else? Birds climb clouds, the color of scratched script. Preserves of sound. What remains, I think, the name of the Sally Man exhibit I saw years ago, pictures of her dead dog's coat, the enormous landscapes of Antietam, two miles from where I now sit, taken on an antique camera, blown up, blurred like the organs of the past, lifted from formaldehyde history. There are no people, just the land, groaning, where is your brother, where is your brother, where is your brother? Wide wings bring me back, and in the confusion of time and silhouette, I think crane, though I know this is not the time for them. Most of life, I once said to Andy, is mispronounced. It's an eagle whose wings tremor above the path that once connected the Chesapeake to Ohio. Oh, oh, summer's clarinet sounds so high and fine. What concern to us are such things? Kempis asked, a genera and species. Sharpsburg. John Nathan climbs the bent branches of the mango tree, knocks six green globes the ground, his pole a kind of pool stick, this dangerous, delicious game. Rain unspools perfume from the by dark hills. Water, coarse, supports long chains of life. Rachel Carson. Mosquitoes saw a stagnant ditch. Disease doesn't wait on Latin. A name makes nothing better. Real. Zozo. Jonathan, calls Crow inking the gray sky. I asked how to say I love what I smell. Jolie really there. We tear early pages from the atlas and start a fire. One feels the strangeness, Elizabeth Bishop writes, of Charles Darwin. Sees the lonely young man, his eyes fixed on facts and minute details, sinking or sliding giddily off into the unknown. We can only kiss in our mummy sleeping bags. Morning frost everywhere, Is my guide. Do not harass the salmon. a sign commands. I think that's an eared grebe. Fine as touch. Above the barely lit stream. But I'm usually wrong. Salmon River.
0: Mm. That line of most of. Most of life is mispronounced. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That one's going to sit with me.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> mm, beautiful poem. What? What is your inspiration when it comes to poems? Or is that not the right question? Mm. Is everything your inspiration? Is that that the life of a poet? You walk through Walmart and you're like, oh, I have an idea. Walmart showed up in your last poem.
1: hmm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, you no, know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's kind of mysterious. And I haven't been writing poems much lately. And I think that, you know, I think, um I go through seasons of um of, of feeling a lot of openness and, and ability to, to make poems, uh and then seasons where they're just kind of either isn't the time or um or or I'm you know the time's the what I am writing, I'm working on different sorts of things. So um you know, for me I think poetry often begins with a sound. Um, hmm. You know, there's either a, a line that somehow gets stuck in my brain and I want to ease it out and see, you know, where it might go. Um, sometimes it's an image, you know. the uh, So uh, the, the first poem that I read, Two of Everything, uh, we used to live in this house in Bastrop, Texas, that had um, these sort of two um, large rectangular windows. Um, so the um, the kind of kitchen and living area of the house had cathedral ceilings. Um, and and so these windows were like way up above uh, eye level, um, and then it kind of naturally sent your gaze upward. Um, and so that was kind of like the, the opening image for the poem. And, you know, one day I happened to see, um, some cranes and um, flying through the, you know, look, looking through those windows, I saw cranes and so, um, so sometimes there's that gift of, of an image, um, that will be the beginning of a poem. Um, and then sometimes it's a, it's a feeling. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm grieving something or I'm in love or I'm, you know, oh, this amazing thing just happened. And, um, um, and so, um, yeah, there, there are lots of, um, different ways of, for me, um, of, of getting into a poem. Um, but, but often it sounds that, that kind of begins the journey. Um, and then I'll sort of, um, figure out how to how to make a poem out of out of that line that gets stuck in my head.
0: Hmm. It's the connection between inspiration and hard work. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. The spark, the spark, but then you got to follow the spark. The spark doesn't do mm-hmm, all the work.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: You mentioned that you've taught a class around the the Sparkbird essay. Tell me about yeah. that. How you've used that with your students.
1: Um, so, "Sparkbird" is this is this wonderful essay that originally appeared in Orion um, by the the nature writer and environmental environmental activist um, Emily Raboteau, and it's about um, these murals um, that she encountered throughout New York City depicting um, birds from Audubon's Birds of America. Um, and, um, and it's this great sort of exploration of birds and art and history and culture and racism. And, you know, and so it's like this, she, she does a lot of wondering about, you know, who get, who has access to who can be a birder. Right. Hmm. Um, and, um, and I think the essay came out around the time that there was that, um, sort of incident of the, the black birder in Central Park who was, um had the encounter with the, the white woman who said, you know, I'm going to call the police. Um And, um, yeah.
0: well, so, he was participating um, in the world's so, right, gentlest hobby. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so all of that is kind of in this splendid essay, spark bird. And, and, you know, the phrase spark bird is like, oh, what was the bird that like sparked your interest in, in birding? Um, so I created this, um, uh, kind of adult formation class when I was doing my year of diploma, uh, a diploma in Anglican studies, which, um, uh, again, for references, uh you know, if you're I already had a Master of Divinity degree, but I hadn't been Episcopalian at the time. So some people refer to that as Episcopal Finishing School. <laughs> um, um where you know you kind of get steeped in, in the history of, of the Episcopal Church. So anyway, while I was doing that, I was working with a, a professor at the seminary of the Southwest, uh, Anthony Baker, and he's very interested in eco-theology. And so we did this uh tutorial where we basically just read a bunch of eco theology texts and walked around Austin and talked. And, um, and I wrote some papers and my final project was creating this, um, this 10 week class that is, um, uh, informed by the five senses. And so, um, each their, um, Yeah, the original the original curriculum was 10 weeks and then the most recent time that i taught it i cut it down to five weeks and so each week was a different sense so one week we would focus on hearing and one week we would focus on seeing and one week we would focus on smell and um taste and touch um and so we used that um sparkbird essay um as a um kind of way to um draw our attention to what we see and what we don't see. Um, and so a lot of the um the murals that are part of that, it's a it's a photographic essay. Um, and so Emily Rabateau pictures of, of these murals throughout New York City. Um, and and then um sort you know, the essay is is riffing on on the images. Um, so a lot of those birds you know if you're living in New York City, you're not gonna see those birds um one because they're not native to that region, two because of urbanization and um uh, kind of lack of of access and and then three you know um some of some of them are endangered species and, and um uh, so um you know, it's a way of, of, um, drawing our attention to, um, questions of, of justice, um, and, and climate action, um, as well as beauty. And, um, you know, I think, um, the birds of America are wonderful. I'm looking at, I have above my desk, I have Audubon's blue jays and, um, the, um, Carolina parrot, um, and um so you know i love audubon and he's also a very complicated figure as a lot of um people are um um and um so anyway i think i think that essay is this great opportunity to um to think about um about birds and about um, who gets to see birds and who gets to appreciate beauty, who has access to beauty, um, and and um, is beauty a human right, a, um, you know, um, something that we can live without, which I don't think that it is. And I think mm. that God wants us to be surrounded by beauty, which is why, you know the world is beautiful. Um, I often think about, you know, Mary Oliver in one of her interviews said, you know, the world didn't have to be beautiful to be intelligible, um, that God could have created, um, you know, a world that was functional without it being beautiful. Um, But the fact that birds are beautiful and, you know, trees are beautiful and flowers smell wonderful and, um, you know, like, I don't know. What does that mean? <laughs> mm. Yeah.
0: I, I love that. I think that question of is beauty a human right and who does have access to it and who has access to natural spaces. And because that's so, so much of where beauty comes from are these natural spaces. God could have created the whole world to look like East Germany in 1960, mm. but it didn't. Mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. just concrete. No offense to East Germany. Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that one of the places that you've been finding hope lately is in thinking about the past.
1: Mm, mm -hmm, Tell me about mm -hmm.
0: that. Unpack that Mm, for me.
1: mm. Because hope
0: is about the future. One day I'll fly away. I'll leave this, Mm. I'll shuffle off this mortal coil and things will be better Mm -hmm. and my knee won't hurt anymore. And right, that's our hope.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, I think about how often in... Um in faith communities, so much of what binds us together is remembrance. Um and then you know, particularly in Christian um community, the the thing that, that binds us together is is communion, the Lord's Supper, whatever whatever you might call it, the Eucharist. Um and um, you know, so you know, yesterday I was celebrating the great Thanksgiving, um, and, 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 um, uh, you know, every time that, that we do that, um, we, we remember that Jesus said, you know, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Um, and, um, and I think, um, even going back to the book of Genesis, um, that, that, um you know the book of genesis is an act of remembrance remembering god creating making the heavens and the earth um, um or imagining what what that was um poetically as the as the poets wrote well first chapters of genesis did um and it's remembering abraham and and isaac um, and jacob uh, um and so i think um memory can uh while it can also be painful. Um, you know, a lot of people have uh, a lot of a lot of harmful memories that they carry around that they would probably prefer to forget. But I also think um that that memory can be a source of of hope, of consolation, you know, when you remember what you have been through um you know that can that can give you inspiration to continue um and to persist um you know um I think about um you know just the um the significance of the of uh, celebrating Passover and 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 remembering you know God bringing uh, bringing the people out of Egypt and. Um, for the U.S. civil rights movement, and kind of the importance of memory and remembering, you know what God had had brought people of African descent uh, through. Um, so I think that there's um, there's a way that um, that that memory is as much the location, hope I think as. The sort of anticipation of you know what's going to happen, um, hmm.
0: I love that perspective on it. I think that's a really helpful. What has God done and what has God brought us through? And that happens over and over again in scripture. Remember these things, Mm -hmm. tell stories Mm -hmm. to your children, because we're such a forgetful people. And in the moment of Mm -hmm. crisis, all of a sudden it's, this is the moment God's going to abandon me. God's going to let me down. And God says, Mm -hmm. remember, remember Mm -hmm. the last time, remember 3000 years ago, remember 5000 years before that. When have I, Mm -hmm. when have you,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm like, but this will be the time. This is it. (laughs) Hope. Mm Mm-hmm. Jason, what is your favorite bird as of today, as of right now? Oh God um,
1: you know i, I this might be like lame and and uh, corny and cliche, but I just love cardinals um like I love their music um and and um there's just something about the their brightness that feels like it decorates the day and it kind of is like, oh, and you know, and and if um and hearing them sing always like lifts my spirits. Um um so that would probably be um my my answer right now. You know, afterwards I'll probably be like, whoa, why didn't I think of a cooler bird to name as my favorite, but
0: there is no wrong answer, sir.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Part of the hazard of this podcast is everyone I talk to, I'm like, oh, that's my favorite now too. I, I just, I fall yeah. in love with every bird, with every podcast yeah. guest. And I also yeah. now have this long growing list of places I need to visit to see these mm-hmm. birds and meet these birders and the, the Wonder Festival in Jackson Hole, man, that's, that's alluring. That sounds yeah. fantastic. Where are you based? I'm in Southern California, so we don't have Cardinals. So that's Mm -hmm. part of it is I miss those guys and their little metallic Mm -hmm. chirps. They're funny. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They got a little attitude, saucy, saucy (laughs) Cardinals. Well, Jason, will you, will you lead us home with one more, one more poem, a concluding for our time together? Sure. I'd be glad to. Thank you. The best one. No pressure. No, the best one. (laughs) Yeah. Your very favorite.
1: Um, I'm trying to think if there's a, like, where else is there a bird in these poems?: um,
0: We do birds and we do hope. So you got a broad okay. spectrum.
1: Okay, all right. Uh, let's 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 close with a poem called "Closing in.": hmm. More and more needles fall from the pines. Everywhere symbols, if that's your thing. To live always in the possible. To urge your flesh to be as keen as melons softening on summer sad vines. I am tired of everything that isn't lovely. I am tired of the way my shoulders hoard stress. Stacks and stupid stacks. Everybody's an expert in somebody else's business. I do not want to be any busier than my basil plant, squallowing the sun, the soil, the errant water. We suppose we know a thing or two about botany, about the intelligence of leaf, stem, root, have you noticed the way plants lean as though longing for news from a neighbor, a song, a touch, just a little touch? It has been a hard season for bodies, for the given strangeness of care. Even now, the kind music of a lark lingering in the crepe myrtle has something bereft about it, like a whistle moving through lips, sounds going and coming, the desirer closing in on the desired. I
0: too do not want to be any busier. And my basil plant <laughs> yeah
1: yeah that,
0: that is a word, sir, <laughs> consider the lilies and be just yes. as busy as your basil plants,
1: yeah, that's as busy as you need to be, yeah, yeah, Let's oh. get your get, get your water and your sun, you know, that's all you need, grow toward the light, yeah.
0: Jason Myers, thank you so much for the gift of your time. Everyone check out maker of heaven and his new collection of poetry and Jason, where else can we be connected with you? If folks are looking for you and your work, where can we find you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have a website. Um, I'm not always great at updating it, but it's, um, Jason Myers.com. Um, and then, um, I'm on, um, uh, I'm not on the TikToks, but I'm on I'm on Twitter and um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. So yeah, happy to connect with people in any of those places.
0: Birds and poetry and hope. It doesn't get better than that. It does not. Yeah. Thank you so much. Blessings on your poetry and your ministry and your birding. And thank you for being with us today.
1: Thank you, Courtney. Yeah, it's been delightful.
0: The Thing with Feathers is produced by me, Courtney Ellis. Many thanks to Del Belcher for the music, to Todd Peterson for the name inspiration, and to Emily Dickinson for the beautiful poem and for being in the public domain. Until next time, my friends, keep looking up. So Yes it does.